I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. Even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to episode number 18 of the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and today we will... Continue our 2020 player preview series with another one of the Orioles' new additions this year, a right-handed pitcher, Cole Stewart, 25-year-old, whom the Orioles signed back in late December. And Stewart, who was a previous first-round pick, fourth overall, taken by the Twins back in 2013, kind of never panned out with that Minnesota organization, ended up pitching 62 innings in the big leagues over the last two years, didn't really pan out, ERA, at almost five, and they let him go after last season. And the Orioles picking him up could be a starter, could be a reliever, and we'll see how he will fit in to this Orioles team. And Nash Walker, the host of the Locked On Twins podcast, is going to join us a little later to talk about Cole Stewart. But first, a little bit of Orioles news to get to here today that came out on Wednesday, we will start with some broadcast news for the Baltimore Orioles. They have made some changes in both the radio booth and in the Mass and TV booth. Of course, myself being a broadcaster in the Baltimore area as well, something that, you know, kind of a nerd about who's calling these Orioles games. And a lot of the guys who have had a lot of success and a lot of fanfare in the previous years stay on. Of course, Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer. Of course, we love having Jim Palmer back in the booth after. He had a little bit of a health issue at the end of last season and and missed a good chunk of the season last year. Palmer will be back in there with Gary Thorne. Of course, Mike Bordick back in there as well in the Masson booth. Ben McDonald, who had a great last couple of seasons in there. He'll do the radio some as well. Brian Roberts will be back for some more games as an analyst, both on TV and on radio. But I think really the two big moves that the Orioles made, now it's not completely certain what exactly the extent of these moves are. But the two big things, the number one big one is the Orioles have, it's seemingly all but moved on from Jim Hunter, both as a TV broadcaster and a radio broadcaster, basically spent each of, or at least last season, as the number two voice on TV, and he kind of split the time on the radio uh, with Kevin Brown. But it looks like Jim Hunter will move into a different role, as the Orioles said, and it looks like he won't be calling games for the Orioles going forward, Kevin Brown's going to do more games on TV. And then the O's bring in Jeff Arnold, who was previously, for the last six years, the play-by-play voice of the Frederick Keys. And Arnold is going to come on and get to do a lot of the games on the radio uh, for the Orioles and do some some Mass and TV as well. So some new voices will be bringing you Orioles games, but, but Jeff Arnold is great as well. And then Melanie Newman, who was with the Salem Red Sox in single A last year. She will also be joining the Orioles and Masson in some capacity on the broadcast side. Not exactly clear what that will be yet, but Melanie will be on the broadcast as well. And then along with with Jim Hunter being gone, 
it looks like Tom Davis, who had been hosting O's Extra for a fairly long time, looks like he'll be moving into a different role. And Scott Garceau is going to get some more reps there, also get to do some play-by-play on Mass and then on the radio, it looks like. So some moving parts for the Orioles broadcast team. They put out a list of 18 names yesterday, which would all be contributing in some way, shape, or form. And and the way they announced it, you know, it kind of seemed like it'll be very fluid with guys moving across from radio, TV, hosting, pre and post, uh, potentially some sideline work as well. And we will see what all of everyone's roles are for the Orioles next season. But I think the big ones, looks like Jim Hunter will not be calling games And it doesn't look like Tom Davis will do as much of the hosting on O's Extra. So some changes for the Orioles. And, you know, I kind of like that they're staying with a lot of their voices and also, you know, mixing things up. And and I think a big one is Jeff Arnold, you know, from Frederick and Melanie Newman as well, you know, kind of pulling up from the minor leagues, people that have been in baseball um, and can bring a fresh new perspective, especially Arnold, who comes directly from the Orioles organization for a good chunk of the last few years. So the broadcast changes there. And then the Orioles also made a roster move yesterday. The carousel of infielders picked up and put on waivers continues. Remember last week we had our episode with AJ Andrews host a locked on blue Jays podcast. As she talked to us about Richard Urania, the infielder who came over from Toronto Well, he just got designated for assignment yesterday. We'll see if he gets through waivers or not because the Orioles claimed infielder Andrew Velasquez off of waivers from the Indians. Velasquez played 15 games at the big league level last year, 10 of them with the Rays, 5 of them with Cleveland. And we'll talk about him a little deeper on another episode. We'll see if he can fit in to potentially that utility infielder role for the Orioles. Those are really the two big things of Orioles news from Wednesday. And now we get to our player preview of Cole Stewart, the right-hander who came over from Minnesota, as we are joined by Nash Walker, host of the Locked On Twins podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Nash, uh, thanks for taking some time to talk about uh, a Twins pitcher who, you know, many Twins fans probably don't want to think about at this point, but he's uh, he's still going to be around in the major leagues. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Cole Stewart was a guy coming out of high school, big arm out of a a Texas high school down there in Houston, number four pick actually back, I believe it was in 2013. So, you know, he was a, he was a high prospect as far as, uh, you know, looking at the top 100, the twins had many guys, Uh, you know, Byron Buxton was number one overall back in the day in 2015 and Miguel Sano was in the top 10, but Cole Stewart was up there too. And, uh, he's definitely a guy who had a lot of upside coming out of high school. Yeah, he was the number four overall pick back in 2013, as you said, out of high school in Texas. So kind of take us back to 2013 as a Twins fan. You know, you, you get him in the top five in the draft, and is the thought that, hey, we may have just drafted a, a future number one? Oh, absolutely, because he had a, you know, big strikeout arm. When you, It's always a risk taking guys out of high school, right? You never know how they're going to develop. And, and it's been an issue in the twin system for a long time, Connor, is developing pitching. Um, so, you know, you always had to be wary of that, uh, especially with a big arm out of high school, an 18-year-old kid throwing 95-96. He did experience shoulder issues coming through, and that's a concern as well. But, I mean, there was belief through 2015-2016 
that he had high, you know, front front of the rotation stuff. And, and I think, you know, he's only going into his age 26 season, I think it is. So, um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that really we thought he could be a, a front of the rotation guy. Hey everybody, we'll get back to our conversation with Nash in just a second here, but I wanted to bring you today's Fantasy Minute brought to you by League Commission. and today we're going to talk about the right-hander Asher Wojciechowski. Wojciechowski, who came to Baltimore at the start of July last year, ended up making 16 starts with the Orioles throughout last season. He finished with a 4.92 ERA, 80 strikeouts in 82 and a third innings, a 1.3 war for the right-hander who is now going to go into his age 31 season with Baltimore. And he should be in the rotation the entire season in 2020. Won't have to miss those first three months at the big league level. And he's got some good strikeout stuff. Remember, had a 10-strikeout game in seven innings, allowing just one hit and no runs against Boston, one of his first starts with the Orioles. And I think that could bode well going forward for Asher Wojciechowski. I think he could have some good fantasy value, and I think if he continues to pitch and working with the Orioles staff, he'll become more and more of a strikeout guy for Baltimore, which is obviously what you want in fantasy baseball, those pitchers with the high strikeout rates, and he's got a really, really good breaking ball. His curveball is his best pitch, and it can be a put-away pitch at times. So Asher Wojciechowski, look out for him in fantasy this year. That's your Fantasy Minute, brought to you by League Commish for Thursday, February 20th. What are you doing for the game? A universal question. Whether the casual follower, the tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less or the makes everything into a competition person. We all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports, and League Commish exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. It's as easy as sign up with your preferences, get matched, and approve of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commish by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering the code LOCKEDON in the referred by section of the sign-up form. The first 25 people to sign up using our code receive their first match free. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com. Yeah, you said that even, even in 2016, uh, he was up at double A at that point, a two eight eight ERA, and he had thrown almost 150 innings that season. So you're you're still thinking he's getting there. And then in 17 and 18, he kind of splits those years between triple A and double A. Actually, does make the major league debut in 2018, but the numbers go down. And really, those last couple years in the minors, even before he made it to the majors, you know the strikeout numbers definitely weren't where they wanted them to be. But the walk numbers, especially, are, are pretty high for some of these seasons. And was that one of the big reasons where he, you know, didn't get to the majors faster or didn't have as much success? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, we got to remember that the Terry Ryan regime, who's the old uh, general manager for the Twins, that regime drafted Cole Stewart. Of course, in 2016, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine took over in the front office for the Twins. So um, I think they came in and, and they hadn't drafted Cole Stewart. And I think, you know, they really have, have taken a liking to guys with high strikeout numbers. And even when the numbers aren't there, for example, John Duran is one of the top arms in the system. I think he had a 460 ERA at AA last year, but he struck out 11 per nine at AA. And they see that, and they think if you can get batters out, striking out batters at a high level, that that's going to translate well into the major leagues. And 
you know, I, I am surprised with Cole that he didn't get more strikeouts coming through, just didn't have a put that put-away stuff. And uh, there might be a, a feeling or a sense that he could be better out of the bullpen. Uh, fastball still plays up. He didn't really get much of an opportunity on a really good Twins team last year. Uh, he did come in, I remember, I think, in the extra innings of a Yankee game and, and got beat around pretty bad. And I think, you know, they had a short leash with him, and maybe it wasn't wasn't all fair, Derek Falvey and Thadler being with Cole Stewart, because I think that they wanted to – shift it to the guys that they drafted and they scouted and, and less of that, that Ryan regime. But I'm happy for Cole that he gets a new, a new start here with a new organization with Baltimore. Yeah. And, and you talked about, you know, he comes up last year, he ended up making nine appearances. He got two starts, uh, but a six, three, nine ERA in, in 25 innings. And he only had 10 strikeouts uh, in 25 innings, 2018. He had a little more success in, uh, about 37 innings at the big league level, but uh, his triple A numbers really uh, were not good last year either. So as his time comes to an end, you know, basically seven years, essentially six full seasons with Minnesota, you know, as, as someone who follows this twins team, you know, what becomes the outlook or the, or the remembrance of, of Cole Stewart as he leaves the organization after being a, a number one pick. Yeah, I think it's hard to look at it, Connor, as anything other than a disappointment with Cole Stewart. And uh, you can only hope that, you know, he's 26 years old and and he's got a, a long career ahead of him, hopefully. But you look at, it kind of plays into the narrative that drafting pitchers out of high school or just drafting pitchers, period, can be a really volatile thing. And, and I think we look at it, and it's also another example of how the old regime maybe didn't do as well with, with forward thinking and, you know, new analytics as far as getting your pitchers up to speed or developing at a high level. And I think Cole Stewart is a really good example of that. Steven Gonzalez is another pitcher that they DFA'd last year who was another high arm in the system. You know, top five prospect in the system a couple years back, as early as 2018. Cole Stewart not as far back either. I mean, Twins Daily ranked him as the fourth prospect in a loaded twin system at that point as they were rebuilding. Um, so, I mean, I think it just shows that that regime struggled with development. And unfortunately for Cole, he's kind of the face of that and in, in that maybe they didn't do as well drafting. And Nick Nelson at Twins Daily as well, uh, right for them, posted the Twins number one or the first round picks for the last 10 years. And it's like four or five arms that never really panned out. Tyler J, Cole Stewart, you know, these guys who, who were drafted highly sometimes out of high school with big fastballs that, just didn't develop. And I think when it's a trend like that, you can kind of point to the system and that's what we've done. And with this new front office and new regime, Derek Falvey coming over from Cleveland where he developed some of the best pitching in baseball. We hope that the development at the lower levels can get better. But I mean, I think there's some hope with Cole because he was part of that. I think they were taught those pitchers. It was an old school way of thinking back in the mid 2010s. And I think there is hope for Cole that he gets to a different organization that can help him out. He still has the big fastball, um, you know, not great numbers last year, but in 2017, not terrible, 447 ERA, 101 strikeouts. And then uh, you mentioned 2016, he had a 288 ERA and 91 strikeouts. So it's, he's not far removed, right? I just think from a twin standpoint, we're going to look at him and say, that's what could have been with all of these guys that we drafted. And, and you do have to take it on a case-by-case basis, but it, it really is a, a model of, how this regime, this prior regime, really kind of failed at developing pitching. Um, but I do wish him the best. He's a type 1 diabetic, Connor, as am I. So uh, we had that, uh, that connection as well in, in that I appreciated his, 
his ability to manage his diabetes and also pitch at a high level. So I'm happy for him. I think, you know, he's a good kid and it's, it's good for him to get out of Minnesota. I think where he's going to have more opportunities in Baltimore. And some you mentioned there about, you know, the, the, the countless pitchers taken high in the draft, you know, and sometimes it's not good evaluation, but other times, you know, it's, it's kind of up to these guys. And sometimes you just miss, you know, you mentioned a guy like Tyler J who I remember watching in college at Illinois and thinking, like, geez, this guy's going to get to the major leagues and strike everybody out, which is what he was doing at college, you know, against some good competition at that point when that Illinois team was really, really good. And sometimes guys just just don't pan out and and it can make it unfortunate for organizations who pick these pitchers high. But the last thing I have for you is so, you know, you've we've seen him 62 innings of the big leagues over the last two years, a four, seven, nine ERA. And that spanned 34 K's, 26 walks, you know, those numbers. Neither are really where you want him to be. So he he comes to Baltimore, obviously a completely different situation. He'll be in this year than he would be in if he was back in Minnesota. There'll be no pressure on this team to win any games. He'll probably get used as a starter and a reliever. So from what you've seen of him, at least at the major league level, what do you think he could bring to an Orioles team that obviously isn't trying to win this year and could give him a lot of opportunities? And, and what do you think you know his ceiling could still be now in an organization on a different path than Minnesota is at the moment? I think you hit it right on the head as far as uh, pressure goes because he was coming in, and I'm having trouble remembering exactly his outings from a year ago, but I, I do remember that Yankees outing specifically. I mean, he's coming into high-leverage spots on a team that's looking to win the division. You know, the Twins had a lead in the Central all summer. He's pitching in big-time spots when they needed an arm. He's coming up in the 14th inning, I think it was, against the Yankees, you know, in a tie game. And he doesn't have that much major league experience. So you make a really good point. I think it'll help him being in the AL East as well and to see some of that competition. But I think you're right that he still has upside. I think as a swing man, they will have an ability to see whether he has the full arsenal to be a starter because I don't know if he has that put-away pitch. And he hasn't really shown that in the last few years. So maybe developing that put-away pitch or a third pitch that could propel him to being a starter. But, you know, maybe it is the bullpen. And, and what we what we saw mostly in 2019 uh, were bullpen appearances, at least what I remember seeing. And maybe his stuff will play up from there and he can throw a little bit harder out of the pen. But I think it's a really good situation for him in Baltimore as that swing man who can kind of figure out his, his mold or his way and and again, last year he was put in such high-pressure situations that I think it'll really benefit him to be in Baltimore where they are trying to get a look at these younger guys, good talent coming up. You know, I really like Trey Mancini there, I'll say as well, and uh, Adley Rushman I saw hitting those homers yesterday. So I, I think it's a good spot for him to develop, and I think that's a really good pickup by the Orioles uh, for some upside. And, and, I mean, I'll say it again, it wasn't that long ago that he was a, a top prospect in this system. So there's absolutely a chance that Cole Stewart could harness that upside that they saw when he was in Houston in high school and become a really effective maybe mid-rotation or even top-of-the-rotation guy. Uh, but I think it'll help him be in Baltimore, absolutely. And the Orioles would obviously love that. But at this point, they're just looking for guys who can come in, throw some innings at the major league level and kind of help them get through this 2020 season. But Cole Stewart, I think there's a, a very good chance at some point this season he'll be pitching at the big leagues in an Oreo uniform. But while I got you here, Nash, we'll, we'll move on from Cole Stewart. I just wanted to two rapid fire questions at you for one guy who's close to Orioles fans heart and another guy who's closer to my heart that was, is either with the twins now or has been with the twins. So first um, I want to get your thoughts on a Maryland guy, uh, university of Maryland, Lamont Wade, 
And what do you think his chances mm. are of making the Twins' big league roster this season? Well, I like Lamont a lot. Uh, something we saw from him last year is just he has an incredible ability to control the plate. He has, and he's, he bats from the left side, and, and unfortunately the Twins have so many lefty corner outfielders. They have Jake Cave and Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler. So Lamont kind of finds his way down the depth chart a little bit, but he came up last year and he was awesome for the Twins. I think he hit one or two homers, if I'm not mistaken. I know he hit one, um, but he just has an exceptional ability to control the plate. I mean, he just spits on pitches out of the zone. And uh, there was a photo the other day, I don't know if you saw, but he was in the batting cage and he was sitting right next to Josh Donaldson, taking tips from Josh Donaldson. Um, you can tell the kid's a hard worker. I just think, I think he has upside because of his ability to control the strike zone. And, and if he can harness a little bit of power as well, he's going to be an effective big leaguer. And again, it's hard because the Twins are so deep in their outfield, especially in the corner outfield. The two of their top three prospects are corner outfielders as well. So I don't think he's going to make the 26-man roster, but he's down there in Fort Myers working hard. I think they really like what he brought to the table last year. And another thing is Byron Buxton's in center field, and, and he played 87 games last year. He has yet to put together a full season, really, in the last couple of years. 2017, he played 140 games. But, you know, he's always an injury concern, and he's coming off the shoulder surgery, and Lamont can play center. And I think the Twins would prefer to have Lamont Wade in center field and keep Max Kepler in right because he's a plus-plus defender and right, keep his legs fresh. So I think Lamont might be the first guy up if Byron Buxton gets hurt. But it is going to be tough. I think he starts in AAA at Rochester just because the Twins are so deep. But I do think he would have a starting job elsewhere, at least a 26-man spot elsewhere. And I do think he's going to play a role on this team. I think he's one of their X factors, actually, this year um, because, you know, you can never predict injuries. And he's, he's just, again, great ability to get on base and, and has some pop in his bat as well. Yeah, that's the one thing I've, I've said about him the last couple of years. You know, he's got the talent to be at the majors. I almost wish he was with another organization because it seems like the Twins just churn out the left-handed hitting corner outfielders, which is right where he wants to be. And and every year, another one seems to break out. But the last guy I wanted to ask about, closer to Orioles fans' heart, and and somebody who I think O's fans are, are kind of confused about his career path since leaving Baltimore, um, is Jonathan Scope got traded over to the Brewers a couple of years ago at the deadline after a, a pretty solid start to his career in Baltimore. Um, and then he ends up with the twins last year and, and plays in Minnesota last year and, and they don't re-sign him and he ends up with the Tigers, which, you know, good for him. He can play 162 games and try and get mm -hmm. another contract. But what was kind of the deal on scope last year and, and with the twins not bringing him back for 2020? Well, the twins were looking at the second base market and, you know, they had interest in D.J. LeMayu last year, who turned out to just be a, a superstar for the Yankees. But they signed, you know, some veteran power bats. They wanted to hit more home runs, did this Twins team, grabbing Nelson Cruz, your old Oriole guy as well, and then C.J. Crone to play first base, who's now a Tiger, and then as Jonathan Scope at second. I think they wanted some power in their lineup, some pop, and I think Scope gave them that. He had some big homers down the stretch in the uh, at, at the end of the year, but Luis Arise came up out of nowhere, essentially, from the twin system. Uh, 22-year-old second baseman came up because of an injury and hit 380, I think, in his first month. He finished the season hitting 334 in, uh, like, 94 games. So, scope in the second half really didn't start much at second base. He was platooned. He was only hitting against lefties. We know he can crush lefties, I'm sure. <laughs> Orioles fans know that, and Adam Jones and, and Manny. Uh, that was a fun group down the middle there, but... Uh, he can crush lefties, so he was platooning against left-handed bats, and then Arise was getting most of the starts at second. 
Uh, Scope did not play in the playoffs either, even against the lefty James Paxton in game one of the ALDS and get a start. But the thing that I really took away from Jonathan Scope, and uh, Dustin Moore said this as well on Gleeman and the Geek, which is a very popular Twins podcast. Uh, they did an interview with Dustin Morris. He's a uh, communications guy for the Twins. He said when Arise came up and took his spot, Scope was really open to it, and he was a great teammate, and he really had a good attitude about having a bench spot when the Twins basically guaranteed him a starting second baseman role, and that was his spot for the first half of the year. And then this kid comes up and just hitting everything, and, and Scope went to the bench, phenomenal teammate. There's a picture of him hugging Jorge Polanco, uh, one of the Twins' core guys who they have locked up here for the next five years and, and one of the faces of the team in the middle infield. He was loved by his teammates. Great guy. You know, he's from uh, Curacao, I believe, and, and uh, he's just a phenomenal teammate. And I, I, I'm going to miss him just watching him in the clubhouse, too, and how he connected with these guys. And the Twins had such a good culture last year in the dugout, and Scopey was a big part of that, I think. And I'll never forget his time with the Orioles either because I was a big Oriole. I, I loved the AL East. I loved Adam Jones. I loved Manny Machado, of course, and, and Jonathan Scope and Chris Davis when he was raking back in the day. And I uh, loved the Blue Jays as well when they had Bautista and Donald. That was fun. That was that was a, a fun time. But I'm going to miss Scopey for sure, and it's going to be fun to see him in the AL Central hopefully 19 times uh, if he stays healthy. But in my eyes, he'll be an Oriole for life, Connor. Yeah, he he truly will be, and and really the only thing that could not make him an Oriole for life is if he goes out and hits forty homers this year, and somebody <laughs> gives him some some big money for a five year deal, and he kind of you know sits with another franchise. But Nash, thank you so much for for coming on, talking Cole Stewart, which was obviously the uh, big point of today, but to get into a couple other topics there at the end. And uh, if you uh, want some more some more Twins news, obviously head over to the Locked On Twins podcast, which Nash is the host of, but. Thanks for giving us some time today. Thanks, Connor. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. So again, our thanks to Nash Walker, host of the Locked On Twins podcast, for joining us to talk about Cole Stewart. Got a little University of Maryland plug in there for Lamont Wade. And then, of course, one of our favorite Orioles, Jonathan Scope, to get an update on him. Again, coming up for the rest of this week, Spencer Siegel comes on the podcast tomorrow. He's going to talk to us about Michael Rucker who was the Orioles' other Rule 5 draft pick, who could definitely make the opening day roster. So we'll talk about that pitcher that the Orioles have to look at in a player preview tomorrow. And then next week, we will continue with the minor leagues. We've got Bowie and Norfolk left and a bunch of player previews as we get closer and closer to opening day. If you like what you heard so far, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening at the moment. And give us a rating and a review. It really, really helps. This has been the Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.